Well, I want to welcome you to Soul City Church. My name is Jarrett, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. And I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to spend this time with us, wherever you may be at. And as always, one of my favorite new traditions of gathering like this is hearing where Soul City is at. It's been so incredible to see how God has brought folks to our church from literally all over the world. And so we want you to tell us where you are at as we're all going to church together this weekend. And I want to give a special shout out right now to all of our international Soul City family. We have folks in Germany and India and Brazil and Chile and Thailand, South Africa, London, all over the world right now. So take a second right now and put in the comments where you are joining us from, what neighborhood, what city, what country, which couch, and bonus points if you actually include uh, an emoji flag in your description. Well, this weekend here in America, we are celebrating Father's Day. It's a made-up holiday, just to be honest, that didn't even exist 50 years ago. But it gives us the opportunity to thank and honor the men in our lives that have helped us become who we are today. And I personally just want to take a second, because I have the mic, to say how grateful I am for my dad. My dad's name is Steve Stevens. That's that's his real name, Steve Stevens. A name so good, he has to say it twice. Uh, My dad is uh, an incredible role in my life, an incredible role model in my life. I love my dad. He basically invented the dad bod, taught me how to love my family well. He tried to teach me how to fish. That didn't take. He taught me how to be tender. He taught me how to be funny and to love those who need second and third and fourth chances. And I also know that many of us have many different stories and feelings and experiences when it comes to the word father or when it comes to a weekend like Father's Day. Some of us had great dads. Some of us not so great dads. Some of us had dads who were absent Some of us had dads who were abusive in one form or another. Some of us had stepdads. Some of us never even knew our dads. Some of us have have, have lost dads. Some of us have become dads. But all of us have had men in one form or another who've played a significant role in our lives. And that's what we want to honor this weekend. And and even beyond honoring them, what we want to do is to to see and, and, and celebrate God as our perfect parent, a God who is father and mother and so much more, transcends all of our roles and stereotypes and preconceived notions we might have of what it means to be a parent. He is a God who longs to be in relationship with you. And and this is the kind of relationship that God invites you to have with him. You as his child and God as your perfect parent. In fact, in Romans 8, 15, it, it says this. It says that you've not, we've not received a, a spirit that makes us fearful slaves, right? That we just are so afraid of God and, you know, we're just, oh, that's all we have to do is kind of like robots. No, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. He brought you into his family. Now we call him Abba Father, which means daddy. It's this intimate way of referring to God. Text goes on to say, for God's spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And since we are God's children, we are God's heirs. We are entitled to all that God has to offer. 
In fact, it says, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But Paul says this in Romans 8, 17. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. If we are to share in the glory of God, which is made known in Jesus, then we also must share in the suffering of Jesus. And that last part is what I want us to focus on this weekend. The glory and the suffering. The success and the struggle. The seen and the unseen. We as a church right now are in week three of our teaching series, Enough is Enough. We are having helpful and honest, sometimes hard conversations about race, power, and privilege And we're passing the mic to voices of color to help us become more and more of an anti-racist bridge-building church, as Tasha taught us last week. And if you missed last week, and you got to go back and check out Tasha's conversation with Jeannie. We want to see each other more clearly, to love each other more deeply. And for this Father's Day, I want us to hear from a few black fathers in our church, men who love God, who are a part of this community, and who are raising amazing black children. They are just a small representation of a big part of this congregation and an important part of this conversation. We want to hear from them, to listen, to, to learn, to, to lean in together. So whether you're a father or not, whether you're a guy or not, whether you're in a relationship with God or not, this is an important conversation for all of us to have together. And I am so honored to pass the mic to these men who are my friends and a part of this church. So without any further ado, let's head to the table. Well, I want to welcome you to Soul City's Black Fathers Forum. We are here at the table with men that I love and appreciate and are part of my life and a part of our church. And I want you to get to know them. And so I'd love for you all to just go around, introduce yourself, talk about your kids for a second, grandkids if you got them. (laughs) And then how long you been coming to Soul City Church? I think that would be awesome. So who wants to kick it off? I'll kick it off. All right, Uh, go for it, Phil. So I'm Phil Jackson. I um, have three great grown kids. They're beautiful grown kids. Two kids are married. My daughters are married. And my son uh, is a videographer and doing his own thing. And uh, I have seven uh, grandkids. And uh, my wife and I, Kim, and I've been married 35 years, man. And just beautiful um, collective goodness everybody mm. together mm. you are lucky <laughs> for those of us who know kim <laughs> right, very exactly. lucky man and then y'all have been coming to soul city we've known each other for like 20, 20 years. Some years right but you guys soul have been city, coming to soul four city years, about four, four years, years now yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. awesome blessing love it uh cliff you awesome sure yeah uh cliff goins um married to janelle and we have two lovely daughters they're 13 and 12 and mm. they run the house yeah especially during quarantine. They're really, <laughs> really running the house during quarantine. Uh, we have been coming to Soul City about seven years, and uh, we've been married 18 years, so we're, we're getting up there, too. Yeah, awesome. I don't think we can catch you, Phil, though. Oh, man, he's got a good lead on yeah. you. He's got a good head start. <laughs> yeah. All right, Torrance. I'm Torrance Walton. Um, I'm married to Alexandria Walton. Wait, did you have to check your notes for that? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I'm married to Alexandria Walton. We have two daughters as well. They're three and one, Amelia and Amira. We've been going to Soul City for about three and a half years, and we've been married this month. It'd be six years. 
That's right. awesome. Yes. Man, I feel like Goldilocks. Like we got we got <laughs> new dad, yes. tween, teen dad, granddad. I got the whole spectrum here. I yeah. love that. Well, it's Father's Day this weekend, and um, you know, lots of different people celebrate that or don't celebrate that in different ways. I would love for each of you to take a second. And we can just go in the same order. What's something you love about being a dad? What's one of the things that you just, I know there's many, but what's one of the things that you love about being a dad? I mean, what I love about being a dad is seeing and being with um, my children as they have grown and become these beautiful, powerful, independent, mm-hmm. strong mind uh, young people. And as I look back at them growing up in that way, um, their presence, just presence with them, and the creativity they have, the jokes that they have, and just the beautiful people there. So being a dad and watching all of that and sitting back and be like, yo, we have something to do with it. <laughs> it's just humbling. And then as they're, as they're adults, it's just even more like, wow, God, this is a, this is a great gift. So That's I powerful. think just presence with them and seeing how they blossom. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, Cliff? What's one of the things you love? Yeah, I would probably go, I, I really like teaching, and I love more than anything seeing people actually apply that. And so sometimes just getting a glimpse of the kids, uh, whether it's with their friends or things that they're doing on social, and you see how they're thinking and how they're kind of doing life, you know, you get those moments where you're like, hey, you know what, these kids, they actually get it. And, yeah. and that's that's pretty satisfying. Yeah. I would throw in, though, <laughs> Haley earlier this week, she said, hey, um, those shorts you're wearing, they look like they're from the olden days. And so I have to That's retire cool. the shorts. You have to retire the shorts. Yeah, yeah. She's so, probably right. Yeah, yeah, she's right. So, so they do have a lot of good love and candor. And I That's love right. that too. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, right. Keeping you on point with your Absolutely. fashion. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I thought you had swag. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I was, your kids I was in never... the swag free zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're out. You're out. Thomas, what about you? What do you love? Uh, what, the main thing, you know, being, you know, the youngest father at the table <laughs> is um, the fact that, you know, I, I really get a chance to see, I think, how God looks at us. You know, mm-hmm. I just, you know, seeing my three year old and my one year old a million Myra grow into their personalities like it's just funny I'm like dang personalities come out real early <laughs> real you know just you know a million like my toys and Amira you know door to explore right now but it's awesome you know just you know getting a chance to see what it feels like and having a joy to provide um, protect um, do things with them having fun every day they sure. love having fun and it makes me you know feel like I can be a kid again with them without being judged sure. so I just take it day by day right now That's being awesome. a young father you that's know. sweet yeah, like yeah. That. yeah so obviously we could go on and on about the things we love about being a dad what's one of the things so let's push in a little bit get real <laughs> just a little bit more real what's one of the things you don't love as much about being a dad like maybe one of the things that wasn't in the brochure something that you didn't know you signed up for uh and and now you got it it's part of being a dad what'd you say phil <clears throat> i would say um the rebellion uh, uh how do you f- push back, how do you navigate, how do you don't crush, while at the same time shape and as they're coming into that. How do you discipline and those kind of things like that that <clears throat> wasn't really, you know, I got married, I was 21, my wife was 19. So we just like, we're hey, just, hey, just hey. Just barely hey. out of being kids. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Who, what are you talking about? No. Right. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> all those kind of things like that. So I think, um, you know, having uh, to balance that out as they're shaping themselves. So being able to figure out discipline and that rebellious stage. I can appreciate mm-hmm. that, Phil. I totally appreciate that. What'd you say, Cliff? Yeah, you know, I'm, so I grew up in the city, but I'm a suburbanite now. And in the suburbs, we are racing towards something, and I don't know what. <laughs> just but we ha- we're just moving. And so we have our kids scheduled like every single hour mm-hmm. of the day. 
I wasn't quite ready for that, though. I think Janelle would say, I don't do anything anyway, so why do I care? But <laughs> I, I do care. And, and well, we, she's, we not here, burned, so. she's not here. She's That's not right. here. Um, but we burned so much time, and I just wasn't ready for that. Um, it's, it's fine, but it's just that season of just running from activity to activity to place to place. I wasn't quite ready yeah. for that. How about you, Tony? What would you say? Well, you know, one thing I know is, you know, I never knew that, you know, young kids – can become tag team partners, both my brothers. So I talked about Dora the Explorer earlier. They have Dora the Explorer escapades in the house, especially my older daughter, yeah. Amelia. So she got her little assistant, Amira. Yeah. And Amelia loves love making messes and, you know, going into things. It's just usually what toddlers and right. kids do. So Amelia, she's at the age where you can, she knows certain things she shouldn't shouldn't do. So now she has her other corporate... Uh, <laughs> Amira, for instance, the washroom in the house upstairs, um, Amelia will open the door and she know that the washroom is a no-no. And we, a couple of times, especially during quarantine, have witnessed the door being open, Amira's in there at the toilet bowl. And that's the reason for the no-no. And Amelia never knows how she got in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Amelia and Amira, you know, this, they keep us on our toes. I guess it's this part of, you know, just that wasn't a part of the brochure where you're like, kids gonna actually help you stay on your toes, whether you know it or not, especially with toilet bowls. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love to tell you that stops. It's just a different version, right? That's right. You're on your heels for a while. Yeah, that's right. Well, y'all know Father's Day falls in our country at a very historic moment, right? Um, As we're even having this conversation, our our country is in the midst of a racial reckoning where we're having to, um, or hopefully, facing... Uh, our past and and how a nation was built on inequity and injustice, and that's not a threat to or anything to say that you could. There's receipts. I mean, you can just kind of yes. look. There's receipts <laughs> for that. And in this present moment, hopefully, we'll be looking back and being honest about that, so that we can look ahead and determine what kind of future we really want as a country. And you know, while there's a lot happening now globally, you know, this is this is. This moment, this spark from Big Floyd's death and the, and the many senseless murders that preceded that has just lit the flame for a global movement of racial reckoning and getting honest with ourselves yes. about who we are, where we're at, who we've always been. And uh, I just wonder, as dads and as a granddad, <laughs> how, are, how are you navigating this? I know this is not the first time y'all have had these conversations. I mean, maybe a little bit with your kids. You're still working through the toilet <laughs> Dora scenarios, but how are you navigating this as a dad and having these conversations uh, with your kids? How, how are you handling that? Cliff, we're- it's, it's tough having these conversations. I, I would say um, one of the things that's important for us to think about is... How, what are we going to be on the other side of this, yeah. right? And, you know, we were talking about it a little earlier. Are, do we have the gumption as a nation and as a people to really step through it and do something about it? Do the it? hard work. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing I've loved about seeing the kids, though, is they've been active on social. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really taken uh, 
time, whether it's in TikTok or on the gram, to really speak out, mm -hmm. right, and educate people. And, you know, you like to see that. Um, but it's, it's definitely been tough. Um, we just try to, you know, have the tough conversations with them and, and let them know, you know, they can be part of the solution. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Torrance? I mean, I know your kids are little, but I know you guys are talking about this as parents and raising your kids, raising these beautiful children in this world that we're find ourselves in. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a little different for me because, you know, they, they're oblivious to what's going on. But, you know, especially, like you said, you know, just with the, you know, racial injustices and, you know, the police brutalities that we're, we're getting to see presently, you know, I'm looking like how do me as a young father, you know, steward this moment um, for my children? And I really look at it as, you know, just a future teaching moment. And when I speak of a future teaching moment, I'm really looking from the place where I can actually see how we, everyone, you know, that is crying out, you know, blacks, browns, whites. I, I see this collective that is happening and be able to tell my kids that they were alive doing this and that we stewarded this moment well. So it's a lot of emotions as a father because you want, you know, the best for your kids and you want to, you know, I just really, really, you know, believe that what, what is happening right now, we got a chance to make it um, something special that we can actually see a new norm and they can actually hear what, what, what happened and see the beauty of us progressing even in the midst of tragedy. Yeah, Phil, you, you, know, you have pastored and been a father figure to hundreds and hundreds of folk on the West Side. Mm -hmm. You faithfully served in the city and um, for many years. I'm not going to say how old you are, I'm just saying for many years. <laughs> and you've seen um, a perspective that maybe a lot of folks who are listening in on this conversation this weekend haven't. You know, you've lived in it, you've led in it, um, loved others in the midst of it. What, what have you seen, what, as someone who's tried to pastor to lead, what, what have you seen in your experience on the west side here of Chicago? Um, anger. Anger. Anger to the degree that it's uh, um, <clears throat> finally uh, someone's listening or hearing at the death of a George Floyd and yeah. the, the other and, and, and the many women that aren't oftentimes right. also talked about, right, that have been killed recklessly um, yeah. by officers with ill intent or just misinformation and being right. able to have um, uh, on one end, it's anger. <clears throat> Another end, it's um, adds to the condition hopelessness, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm in the car. My grandson, he's saying Bole. They call me Bole, which is the gangster grandpa name <laughs> ever. You, you, you like cornered the market. Right? <laughs> yeah. And my wife's Gigi, Bole. so it's like a Bonnie and Clyde thing. Yeah, so. It's like a Papa. <laughs> no, that's lame. All yeah, the right, right. That's some generic. Yeah, okay. Music even comes in the background when that happens, too. I love <laughs> but he music. says, theme music to Bole. I'm in the car. He's like, Bole, you need to slow down because the police, they stop you. I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to get hurt. Mm. What are you talking about? You know, and he's 10, you know, so he's seeing and hearing that I'm in the car, what, how he's adding all that yeah, up, that yeah, this yeah. could be and you could possibly be, and yeah. I don't want that to happen. So that, that, that is trickling down to him and my own kids' anger, and their own kids are like, <clears throat> burn it down. This is like, yeah. uh, finally, people get attention when that particular energy happens. So you've got um, anger, you've yeah. got hopelessness where uh, this is, this is only going to last a little bit of time. Right. 
And here we are. Back here we are again. Thing. Yeah. Because you find, you've noticed even the increase, even on the news of other police officers in the midst of everything else, flipping crowds off and right. pushing 70 year old men down and various things. And so it's like they haven't learned in the midst of all of this. And I know it's rough being a police officer. I, I mean, my father was a cop, so I know it's rough even in the midst of this to still create order while at the same time <clears throat> um, create equality or balance in the midst of that order. But there's condition hopelessness, this anger, and there is a, there's a good handful that's trying to create the momentum of that effort to create uh, what we really want and, yeah. and the staying power to see it come into fruition with those who want to uh, join in that piece. It, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's all of that uh, together. So I, I just, I think for so many folks, they can miss the beauty mm. and um, the poetry, the power of neighborhoods that are often overlooked and only referenced as statistics mm -hmm. or headlines, uh, negative news. Mm -hmm. Just, would you paint a bit, what's, paint a picture for a second, just specifically from the West Side, what's something that folks watching, listening in this conversation need to know, need to hear about that beauty, that power, that poetry of the West Side? Yeah, well the West Side in North London where I'm specifically at, there is so much resilience. There is community of people who've gone through so much stuff. At one time, the Chicago Tribune labeled North Lawndale as America's permanent underclass. Wow. And folks have fought through that and have brought uh, a healing power to one another and they've stayed and they've dealt with the school closing and they dealt with violence and they dealt with police issues and they've stayed and they hung in there and even in the midst of this week where we had some black and brown tension folks have stayed with their stores being looted or situations happening or family members going through this and they said no we're going to come together and have a march about our unity and so that part motivates me to say okay we got a strong foundation to continue to build upon because of that resilience and that kind of stuff you're not going to necessarily see make, right yeah, you, you got some news. great people doing some great work in North Lawndale and, right. and on the west side overall that are not going to be in the TV all the time but if they weren't there things may be a little bit worse than yeah. you know you would see now but yeah. there's this that resilience is contagious yeah. it's like you're going oh we're going to okay this is the fourth quarter here. one minute yeah. oh we still got four Let's go. And yeah. that kind of stuff that I really am, 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 can breathe well in, yeah. the, in the West Side. From and when you see that coming out in, in a lot of the different things that you lead through art and through music and through yeah. creative expressions, that resilience, that power, we're still here, we ain't going nowhere. Like right. that's, that's, that is beautiful. It is. And you're right. It doesn't make a Instagram post. It doesn't <laughs> make an evening news headline, but it's, but it's in the, it's just in the the air. It's yeah. The, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I'm going to save your Southside rebuttal because Phil, <laughs> Phil's point was good. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, let him have it today. Let's keep it easy. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, all right, so Torrance, you have a unique perspective, right? Not only are you the youngest dad here amongst us old timers here. <laughs> True. Uh, but you actually uh, work in law enforcement. Yes. And what an interesting time yes. to be in law enforcement. What an important time. And what a challenging time, yes. right? As conversations continue, as people are, you know, pushing to rethink how we do police. Why don't you share with us, you know, not only as a dad, but, you know, in this moment, what is it like for you to be in law enforcement? Why, why did you get into it, you know, and why are you still committed to this work? Got you. you know, I'll just say first and foremost, being a law enforcement officer in this time is very, very unique, peculiar. Yeah. Just everything right. about it is... Right. It's, I, that's the only word I can put there. Uh, it's just, it's a lot to process, you know. When you're fresh and you're new into, you know, law enforcement, 
I know when I, coming in, I know that it's a noble position um, to serve in your community. I look at, you know, law enforcement as a means to, you know, be an asset, to be one to help continue to just bring, you give back to your community. That's how I looked at it, being from the South Side, being able to police on the South Side. But also, you know, there is some things that you begin to see that is on two extremes. Mm-hmm. You get some people, like in the community I work in on the South Side of Chicago, I work in the High Park, Woodline. Kimwood area, um, you see some that may be thanking you for what you do, but then you see on the other side um, others that may have no regard for law enforcement at all. And even, you know, the, this particular moment that we're in in our country, especially what happened with the George Floyd incident, it, it gave me a chance to even more and more look at the perspective like, man, there is some imbalances that is going on. And to be honest, I've had, you know, some conversations with some of my, you know, friends who are law enforcement officers. And we're actually, whether you want to know it or not, from my experience, for whom I talk to, looking forward to reform because we understand this the best thing because the, the, what I was taught as a law enforcement officer was that the police and community are supposed to be one. Mm-hmm. And if it's things that's in the way of that, we need to systematically make some adjustments so that we can actually be an asset in our communities. And um, because, you know, even, you know, all of us, if you, you know, grew up in CVS, we did <laughs> pledge of allegiance, pledge, um, the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, yeah. And in the Pledge of Allegiance, they say one nation under God, individual, uh, with liberty and justice for all. Mm-hmm. And it's people that are part of the community that I come from, coming from Inglewood, that don't feel like justice right. has been right. given to them. Right. And I believe that policing, once again, is a noble position. And if there's things that are in the way that was built systematically that goes against bringing that justice and liberty for all, I'm down for the cause. And I want to say that verbally because I feel like people need to know that, you know, even with this George Floyd incident, I spoke out on social media. I've never done that. But I believe it's different enough. It's enough. Yeah, right. And I had to step out. I didn't care if I stepped on some toes, but I had to condemn those actions because there are officers that do care about their communities. And I want to see us go to that next step. So me as a police officer, a kid from the South Side, from Inglewood, um, and, you know, just knowing the history of, you know, how our country is um, governance was made, this reform in our community, criminal justice system is important. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about it. And I'm excited that, you know, I can continue to serve in the position I am. Mm -hmm. I am currently in and bringing and be a light so that the next generation, Generation Z and our present generation can look at this position as a law enforcement agency. I mean, a law enforcement officer and really, really see it as a noble position Mm -hmm. and something worthy to um, pursue in the future. Mm. To see it as an, as an ally and an asset versus a, a threat. A threat, yeah. I don't, I, not a liability. Not a liability. And, that's, and that's, that's, that's what it's been recently, you know. And I'm okay while, with, yeah. I'm going to be honest, I'm okay with the, um, the publicity because progress is not always pretty. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it helps us see what needs to be weeded out so we can get to mm-hmm. the ultimate goal of what true um, law enforcement is in our communities to help yeah. our community serve and protect it. Man, I love it. And I love that you're in it and committed to it and have a vision for it to be better. And yes. it can be and it must be. It must be. Yeah. yeah. And and I know that, you know, that we're 
it's a, there's a lot of roots under that tree where some <laughs> bad apples fall. Yes. And uh, that's a big work. We were talking about that before this conversation. I mean, that's the big, long, hard work. Right. But, I mean, if we're, it's going to take folks like you that are committed to it and holding to it. Yes. And all of us, all of us, all of us. But I just wanted to hear your perspective, especially in these days, as I know you've been called upon above and beyond your normal job it, description. Yes, it's unique. And like, once again, you know, I believe that um, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I've seen, you know, from blacks, brown, whites, and so on, that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. No matter if you're a police officer, if you're, you know, on the side where you felt like you've been privileged because of the system or at disadvantage, I hear a collective cry that we need a change and we got to be all willing to hear even what, even if you're in a position of, like I said, me being a police officer. Mm-hmm. But I also know from experience from being yeah. a, a kid mm-hmm. that is from the south side of Chicago. And so I'm excited for the future. Yeah. of law enforcement. I appreciate what you do and I appreciate your perspective on that. You know, um, we as a church, the reason we're having this conversation and these conversations this month and well beyond in our Enough is Enough teaching series is because we are committed to being an anti-racist church, to being a bridge building church like that. And there's a lot of work for us to do. And there's a lot of places where I was like, oh no, we're doing pretty good. And then the more conversations I'm having, like, oh, we have lots of work to do. <laughs> you know, lots of work. To, all of us have work to do. And, but for, for us, it's not a hopping on a bandwagon for us. Like this is rooted in the gospel. This mm-hmm. is like, go back and read the story of the good Samaritan. What was Jesus getting at? <laughs> Why did he choose ethnicity? Why did he choose the outcast, yeah. the least as the example? Like this is rooted in our gospel. Mm-hmm. And so for us, this ain't nothing new. We're just trying to catch up and keep up mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit and to speak up and speak out as God gives us the wisdom to do so, the courage to do so against the evil of racism and systemic injustice towards any group yes. of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it will not come as a shock to y'all to hear that some folks would rather we just change the channel. <laughs> you know, just like, okay, I got it. Yep. I, I did the blackout thing on that Tuesday. <laughs> What's next? Like, can we kind of move on? Right. And especially, and it just be like, to be really honest, there are, you know, I imagine, I can imagine there's white folks who are like, uh, okay, I got it. I, that's not me. I'm not, I didn't do that. Or that's not me. Can we just move on? And I've gotten those emails, you know, like, mm-hmm. thank you. I appreciate it. But can we just move on and get back to like normal church stuff? <laughs> and I just wonder if there's any one of you that would want to pop in and, and pipe up about why we can't just move on from this moment. Why can't we just go, okay, well, we had some marches. We had some protests. We put up some posts on Instagram. <laughs> All right, let's move on. When Shark Week, let's move on. Like, we're on to the next thing. Like, why, why is it so important that we specifically as a church not miss this moment mm-hmm. that we're in the midst of? You got one? I, 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 I do. You go ahead, Cliff. He's ready to go. go. He hit his, <laughs> his buzzer first. Yeah. Go, go, you got it, Cliff. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I mean, it's interesting, it's interesting to hear you say the comment about um, why don't we get back to regular church, right? Mm-hmm. So even that comment... Mm-hmm. Um, presume something about church that isn't actually correct. Come on, come right? on. So right. one of the things that's uh, been on my heart is if you think about the loudest part of this movement, to me, it's actually the silence of the church at large. Yeah. Right? The, the church has been pretty silent about this situation. Historically, yes. Now, what's interesting about it is um, we've known this for years. So back in 64, 
Martin Luther King Jr., what did he say? He said, you know, 11 o'clock on Sunday, that's the most segregated hour mm -hmm. in America. That was how many years ago? 40 years <laughs> right. ago, right? right? And so then, you know, a couple, actually literally like, I think four or five years ago, Lifeway did a poll and they said, okay, how, how, are, we, how are we doing with diversity? What do, what do people think about diversity? And Americans said, you know, 82% of them said, you know, diversity is good for the country. And when they asked them about church though, mm. half of them, almost half of them were okay with segregated churches. Wow. And so to me, wow. um, we're missing the whole boat, right? Mm -hmm. If we can't lean into that as a yeah. church, right? Because, you know, the church is all about unity and yeah. oneness. And so um, I think we have to keep leaning in. Yeah. Um, a great uh, author who wrote a book called The Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, Dr. Hill, mm. she said, Dr. Joy, she said uh, when she was in South Africa and apartheid was over, she was looking for um, white Africanos to say, ooh, we want that back. And she was trying to find them. She was asking, so how was it not being in apartheid? And they were literally, she said, broken yeah. and hurt. Yeah, there's and a model And we there. hated apartheid, right? And she discovered, she said, um, that people owned it. And they were, they were, they, this is the worst thing. I don't, you know, we did it for so long. I hated it. And they weren't, they weren't trying to say, let's stop talking about it. Right. They were saying, this is horrible. We hate it. I'm, we want to move on a path of restoration. America is always shameful about, it's kind of like you didn't remember your wife's birthday or anniversary. <laughs> right, 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 I want right. to bring you some flowers. Are right. we good now? Right. It's almost like that kind of vibe. And that's so offensive and hurtful for people who have been most disenfranchised, um, you know, for the longest period of time. You know, my mom was white, my dad's black. My mom would say white folks don't need to ask themselves where they need to, you know, uh, uh, need to ask themselves anything wherever they go because they, they are the culture wherever they go, right? And so in the midst of, uh, African-Americans always having that dual consciousness wherever we go, the church or the people of faith, our uh, commitment should be the picket and prayer. We mm -hmm. should be blending the reality of everyday life. People can't just come in and just only expect to segregate my faith to um, this pain in my soul, but my pain in my world and the pain of racism, pain of, uh, uh, um, of injustice. Mm -hmm that goes with our faith and we can't segregate that, right? Dr. Cornel West says, you know, that a baby is born between feces and urine, right? <laughs> and the two, the, the beautiful child is born between the most nastiest things yeah. of our body, right? And the reality of our life in faith must be not denying the ugliness that's there, but walking with that so that it can be what God would have it to be. And so to continue to ignore that in the body of Christ is almost like spitting in the face of those who are going through it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, in, in the scriptures, it, it clearly states that love suffers. And sometimes it's about getting out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy. Sometimes we get used to our um, we, we can we can find a way to get religious about our approach. But I believe that situations and shakings help us break out of our comfort zone so that we can continue to have the reach that we need to have. And, you know, even in the scriptures, it's stated that. Uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, it pretty much says mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. And, you know, right now it's, it's a lot of mourning that's coming out. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we, we sometimes we don't want to feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we got to be empathetic enough to say, let me let me lean in a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just respect what we're doing at Soul City to lean in deeper, mm -hmm. to really feel. And when you feel, 
you'll find yourself willing to be a part of the situation yeah. to help your neighbor yeah. get to where they need to be, whatever that looks like. And yeah. folks have been mourning for a long time. Yeah. Yes. Now folks, other folks are saying, oh, we're hearing you mourn. Dang, how long you been mourning? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Four yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's important, though, because I think, you know, and, and I've heard folks say, well, at least better late than never. I mean, mm. if this, if it, you know, it, it's mm. tragic and unnecessary that it would take specifically white folks this long to begin to face some of the reality of what was baked in from the beginning mm-hmm. to right. this country, right? None mm-hmm. of us were there, we didn't do it, but it just was. Yeah. But if it leads to an openness, an introspection, a sure. brokenness, yes. and a repentance. Yes. You know, you talk about South Africa. I mean, that's what, it was a repentance. Yes. It was a breaking. Yeah. And I, I want to believe that's possible. Specifically, I believe the people who have the greatest insight into that work is people of faith. Mm-hmm. Who've been broken, mm-hmm. forgiven, yeah. transformed. Right. We got a model. Yeah. Like we, we, yeah. we know how this works. Right. Right. And so by leading out and leaning in, with our own example of that, I think I think it, I want to believe, as a pastor and a human being, it's possible. Yeah, yes, it's possible. I'm the same way. Cliff, you and your wife Janelle serve as elders at our church, yeah. and um, you know what an interesting time to be walking through. We we, <laughs> we we thought we were just kind of getting everything in a row dealing with the pandemic, global pandemic, sure. as elders and as leaders, Jeannie and I <laughs> together, and then it was like, oh, okay, now we're gonna, okay, let's figure out how we want to. <laughs> you know, be the church in this moment as well. What would just, I wonder quickly if you'd say, or as long as you want to take, um, what's your hope and prayer for Soul City as one of our elders, you've served for a number of years as an elder. Um, what's your hope and prayer for our church during the season? Yeah, well, yeah, 2020 has has become the uh, p- pandemic to pandemic yeah, year, so right? Yeah, just rolling. Well, just might, keep... well, might be another one uh, in a couple, <laughs> of, in a couple of months. No, you know, Janelle and I have been here, like I said, seven years. You know, my real hope and our hope is is that we really can be at the forefront of a radical racial reform, mm. right? Um, going back to what I was saying a little earlier, you know, at the end of the day, right, if you, if you think about Jesus's ministry, you think about his, his last prayer for his people before uh, he went to the cross, he prayed all about unity. Yeah. He said, be God be with them yeah. so they, that they might be one. And then he said, and everyone that comes after them. Yeah, he included all of us. In yeah. yeah, let them be one, yeah. one with me, yeah. one with you, the Father. Come into that unity. And I believe Soul City can be the picture for racial justice. What does that look like? What does it look like to come into unity? Mm. What does it look like to come alongside and to actually do something impactful and probably likely highly controversial? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Yeah. And we have an opportunity to do that because of the makeup of the church, but also because of how you and Jeannie lead. And so that that's really my um, how, how I, I see us planning. I mean, again, at the end of the day, the, we actually we have not even seen really a good church model yet <laughs> in terms of how people no. are addressing it. Mm-hmm. We've seen a couple couple yeah. of pockets of people yeah. where you're like, oh, okay, they really are trying to do something. But yeah. by and large, people have been pretty silent. But part of that is because the church is actually complicit in the system. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's part of the system. That's true. It's, yeah, it's baked into <laughs> the American church experience absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it really is. And I, I get, I mean, years and years and years ago, with a group of guys in our early mid twenties or so, so many years ago, 
Um, we toured a bunch of different churches in the country to, to see what does ethnic diversity look mm. like in the church. And we went to all these different churches and, you know, and we were, our church allowed us to do that, that we were all working at. And what we found as we talked to more and more faith leaders from all kinds of different church experiences and backgrounds is what we've defaulted to is mm. you got your African-American church, you got mm. your Hispanic church, you've got your Asian-American church, you've got your, you know, Pacific Islander church, you got your, <laughs> and, and then, and then within all of those, okay, so now you got your Baptist church. <laughs> yeah, like right. that's what we right. naturally default right. to is mm. segmentation and segregation. Yes. Yeah. And I think for that work that you were just talking about of unity, to be one takes a real work of equality, not yes. just diversity. Sure. Because you can have diversity without equality. But that real, like, no, we at here, if only for a couple hours on a Sunday, or if only, you know, within this community, we see each other as equal so that we can be one, so that we have something to yes. offer the world. Yeah. Um, that is a, that is a, that goes against the stream even of church. Sure. Culture and church history. Yeah, it's yes. counter. It's totally main counter culture, to that. Yeah. and it's counter and, church culture. Right within our little no. subculture, Absolutely. it's counter that as well. <clears throat> new norm. But new norm. It's a new norm. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're. I mean, that that and isn't it funny? It's not new. <laughs> right. It's what yep. Jesus called us to, yep. and it's what He modeled and invited us into. So, you know, I want to wrap up this Father's Day, this Black Fathers Forum, um, by thanking y'all for making yourselves available. To Jeannie and I personally, to our church, y'all serve in different capacities here at this church. You've been friends to us. You've been builders of this place, not you know just sitting on the sidelines, you know. And but you've built in, and I, we are both. Jeannie and I are both, and and I'm sure Cliff would speak as one of the elders. We're incredibly grateful for y'all. And I just I wonder if you guys would want to to, to share as fathers, as father figures as leaders in our community, what, close up with just a verse or two that you're holding on to right now these days. What's, what's something for you, like a verse or an ideal, like a biblical ideal that you are clinging to specifically these days, maybe more than ever before? You got one, Cliff? That I do, yeah. So it's, it's interesting when, it's, when the whole George Floyd, Floyd situation unfolded, um, I was actually drawn to kind of two stories around Peter and I actually want to just read a couple of yeah. verses. So in Acts 10, 34 and 5, this is Peter after God kind of wakes him out of a spiritual sleep. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, mm. but accepts from every nation mm. the one who fears him mm. and does what is right. Mm. And then we say, oh, Peter is converted. He's, he gets ah. it. He gets it. Yeah. And so then we find several years <laughs> he later, had some work to do still. he still had work to do. So he has an encounter with Paul. And here's yeah. what Paul says in Galatians. When he first arrived, talking about Peter, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. His boys showed up. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, this, listen to this. Other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy mm. and even Barnabas. This is Paul's oh, role right. dog. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and right. even Amen. Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Right. So here we have Peter. He's Holy Spirit filled. Leader of the first church. teacher, yeah. leader, preacher. Right. He's got your back. If he's your friend, he's got your back, right? right. He still struggled with this concept of discrimination. Yeah. And so yeah. to me, we have to look at ourselves and do our work, yeah. right? God continued through his circle to call him on it, yeah. right? And so yeah. we 
as a church, we're gonna have to call people to the carpet. And again, yeah. it's gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what that's what Torrance said, right? Yeah. But we have to do it. So th- yeah. those are the two verses that, that really came. A whole entire word is, right there. That's Cliff. a sermon, man. That's yeah. a sermon. <laughs> we got it next week. Next week's covered. All right. Just play the tape back. Didn't Paul uh, like smack Barnabas or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got into it. He's in his face. Torrance, what about you? You got a verse or a passage or a Yeah, I got a scripture as well. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians 5 18. Mm. And it states, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. (laughs) And I believe that the the Lord's greatest desire for us in these days is to um, bring forth patterns that exemplify his heart into creation, into this moment. And Jesus showed us how by giving his life, his perfect life, to fix our broken ones. He came in the midst of our chaos to bring peace. And I believe in our areas of influence as his disciples, as his followers, as those who are being transformed in an amazing relationship with Jesus, that our job is to reconcile darkness with light, mm-hmm. injustice with justice, the bad with good. Mm-hmm. So we got the ministry of reconciliation, yes, which Jesus brought us. to us to yeah, exemplify. That's good, Torrance. I love it. Thank you, man. That's a beautiful. Yeah. Boy, that's what it's going to take. I mean, it's going to take that reconciling work, that bringing back in, that bringing back together what's been separated. That's awesome. Pastor Phil, close us out. Right, right, right. (laughs) Give us a word. You know, what's landed with me is uh, um, sitting with the uncomfortableness of it all and the anger of it all, right? Black rage has never been appreciated. We tend to pull back because what's going to be heard is what's going to be eloquently said because what has been trained by white America is the great eloquence of a Dr. King, but not the anger of Malcolm Malcolm X, right? And so Psalms 88, when the man says, yo, the pit is my best friend. I'm so, (laughs) I don't even know where God is at right now. And so sitting with that that lament of it all and not just quickly trying to fix it and not quickly trying to say, we're going to, this is going to change it, and and, and 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 being uncomfortable with that lament, but yet sitting with that and not trying to move on too quickly, yeah. you know. And in the midst of that is a there's a theme of that. Great is thy faithfulness, mm-hmm. man. And great is thy faithfulness. And faith is not always pretty, and it's not always cute and ugly. It's not always comfortable, but faith is that resilience, right? Is that staying power of God. And if we lean onto that in the midst of a of, of the pit being our best friend, or I don't believe what this person just said. Um, I don't. Are we seeing this again? Did they really happen in this way? And and and, and rest in that uncomfortableness. Versus America trying to move on to the Run next thing and bring flowers it. to yeah. fix it. Yeah. We just sit in that and um, sit in it objectively, like Job did with his boys, and they sat for seven days and didn't say nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. How long will we sit in that and that and wait um, till God's faithfulness shows up? In the midst yeah, of amen. I love it. Thank wow. you, Phil. Well, I love you all. Thank you very much for this time. Cliff, as our elder <laughs> at the table, would you pray for us? Because we are going to lean into God's faithfulness. You know, we are going to, you know, I lo- and I, you and I have talked about the Psalms, how that you have David is just, is just real and raw. And he's like, where are you, God? Yes. And curse my enemies. <laughs> Nevertheless, I will pray. Like he's just all right, over right, the right, pendulum right. swing, right? Which is us. That's, exactly. I mean, yes. what a picture, you know? And I, exactly. It's not just these little pretty poems and prayers. Yes. It is raw. It's the, my opinion, it's the blues of the Bible. Mm. Like it is just the blues right sure. there. Like it's all of it right yeah. there. And so 
I, I, we're going to worship in a minute here. We're yeah. going to move into a time of worship and of honoring and recognizing God as our perfect parent, as, as the one who adopts us into relationship with him, who brings us in and calls us son and calls us daughter. Right. Right. And not only that, but calls us his heirs. Yeah, you know, that, that everything that was all the glory of God found in Jesus is now ours. Mm-hmm. If we'd be willing to share in that glory and in that suffering yes, yes, and yes, in the yes, struggle. Yes, right? yes, and yes. so I, I, we're going to worship, but before we do, Cliff, yes, sir. would you pray for us? Pray for our church. Pray for everyone who's watching. we got folks all over the world right now who are trying to wrestle with this and do their work. Would you pray for us Absolutely. in that time? Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, Father, we just thank you right now uh, here uh, celebrating Father's Day. Uh, we thank you because you are the father of fathers. Uh, you show us how to do it. God, we just thank you in this uh, moment. God, we pray that it becomes a movement. Yes, yes. Uh, We pray that you pour out your spirit like never before, God, that you break hearts, that they might receive what you have for them, God. We pray right now over each and every person uh, watching this broadcast, God. We ask, God, that you would touch them where they are, God, that you would uh, bring peace where peace needs to come that you would bring healing where healing needs to come, God, we, that, that you bring understanding and wisdom where understanding and wisdom needs to come, God. Uh, we ask that you bring clarity yeah. where clarity needs to come. God, we pray that we will be a church of reconciliation, God, that we will be a church that can show the world what it means to live in oneness and to live in unity, God. And we do it all by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we welcome you in our lives and we welcome you in this place and into this movement. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Amen. 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 Amen.